J Cut. This is the K Cut, and we're doing a reaction to the Academy Award nominations, the 93rd Academy Award nominations. Before we know it, it'll be a hundred. That's kind of wild. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's it's crazy. Since 1927, the the start of sound film, but yet the the first Best Picture winner, both technically, uh, Sunrise and and Wings, are both silent films. But yeah. and the not, next one was in 2011. That's right. That's the artist, which I don't want to spoil if you haven't seen it. it is a silent film, but it also kind of isn't. But it's not about that. We're looking at this year's, and my oh my, we've got some. We've got some dark horses. We've got some surprises. We obviously are going to have some snubs, but I feel like a lot of these are ones we saw a mile away. But we've got a really solid pool, despite what I was expecting with. You know, 2020 being very helter-skelter. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, so scattershot with what there might be. Let's start off with the best picture because usually each year there's like a vice or a green book or as a post where it's like mediocre or not that great or I just flat out don't like these films at all or they're pretty decent but I expect better. This year, in my personal opinion, there's not a single dud. Yeah, I haven't seen them all. I haven't seen them all, but the one, the only one so far that has stood out to me as not great is The Trial of Chicago 7, and even that's got a ton of good stuff in it. It just has a weak ending. Yeah, that's the worst. And if yeah. that's your worst, that's a really good year. Like I'm realizing I saw like no movies last year because I'm realizing I haven't seen a single nominee yet in any then category. you have a lot to look forward to. Yes, including yeah. the eight nominees. The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank. Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. One Night in Miami. Should have happened. Oh, yeah. Uh, One (laughs) Night in Miami. And uh, that's that's what I feel like is a big snub because I thought that was a fantastic film. And Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. That was the other big snub. Yeah, I do this thing on Films Fatale where I rank every single category and I get more to snub send. So this is a bit of a sneak preview. I'm shocked. I, I like. I think my Rainey's is pretty good, but seeing how many nominations it accrued for like production, mm-hmm. costume, makeup, I believe. Uh, I hope it wins. Obviously, it's acting. Yeah, obviously, it's acting. I'm surprised with all of those adding up, it didn't get a best picture nom. Yeah, it is for for makeup and hairstyling. I'm I'm very surprised because you'd think like with that many production and you know obviously the acting type of nominations and it's based on a well-known play and it's got some really top-notch actors in it yeah and like basically at this point Bozeman's gonna win but we'll get into that in a second um and as you pointed out one on Miami that makes me sad because I I personally love that film so good I'm it really didn't do that great like the only major nomination is Leslie that's it and he's not gonna get it unless it's for best original song which he might but he he's not going to get it anymore for uh, for a supporting actor. Nobody's going to be Daniel Kaluuya. We'll get that into that in a second. But uh, even though, well, another round got a best director nom, so you know I can still that hurt was that. Yeah, I can still hurt that Regina King's not there because I guess you don't have to have more than one other nomination to be there, which very deserved. Another round is a great film, and I hope you like it when you get to it, Rachel. But. Um, that's mm-hmm. my point. Like, this is really if if Aaron Sorkin was in Best Director, I'd be a little bit more upset. It's a good film, but 
there's better. It was Looking not well at, directed, I think. Yeah, particularly. if you if you look at these directors, these five, you have uh, Thomas Vinterberg for another round, David Fincher for Mank, the Isaac Chung. Yep, Lee Isaac Chun for Minari, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and Emerald Fe- Emerald Fennell in her um, in her directorial debut for Promising Young Woman. That is a very solid five. Hmm. And you could have easily had a completely different lineup that would have been solid, or almost almost completely different lineup. Yeah, like maybe Regina King, mm-hmm. or um, uh, God, like. Looking at so many of these, like so many of these have great direction. You have The Father, which is also a directorial debut. You have Judas and the Black Messiah. Those two for Best Director would have been awesome as well. Like, uh, And if you leave the Best Picture category and you look at, like, yeah, One Night in Miami, so obviously Regina King would have been fantastic. Um, I'm sure she was but, yeah, number there, six. There Maybe. Like, or, obviously, the elephant in the room is the lack of of the five bloods nominations and spike lee yeah. is another name that comes to mind that would have been a fantastic nomination for director because like uh, he already hates the oscars yeah, he's, they did him dirty twice in almost the same exact fashion and it was really sad yeah, yeah for a wimpy uh, movie about driving uh which one <laughs> twice though twice <laughs> that's what we mean movies about driving yeah. and the worst part is green book is the better one that's the bad news green book is the better one um but, like, what makes this almost insulting, I don't think it's a good thing that The Five Bloods got one nomination. I think it's insulting because that means it was on the Academy's radar, but Delroy Lindo wasn't good enough, apparently. Um, you know, the editing wasn't good enough, apparently. The cinematography wasn't good enough, apparently. Spike Lee, the screenplay, but the music, which it is good, but the score is like the one thing it's worth noting for. That's a little insulting in my it's opinion. It's kind of sad. Have either of you seen that? I have not yet. It's on my it, list of I, like 10 films to watch. I've heard other scores by Terrence Blanchard from some of his other work. I just think it's almost unfair for anybody in this category for music, though, because Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross were nominated twice. And both yeah. of them are like the leading candidates it's for make and soul <laughs> yeah they're, they're both leading candidates and soul's yeah. pretty much gonna run away with it but like i mean they're both well deserved at least there's that but um yeah if you feel like major snubs uh please feel free to shout them out we're gonna go into the uh, actor in a leading role right now uh, you know, in, in order of how they were delivered. Uh, Reza Ahmed in Sound of Metal, his first nomination. Actually, mm-hmm. Ra- before we continue, Rachel, you pointed out that 12 of these nominees have never been nominated before, which yeah, is amazing. 12 out of 20. I don't know if that's a record or anything, but it's certainly pretty huge. Yeah, there's only two veterans in this category. So Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal, Chadwick mm-hmm. Boseman getting a posthumous award nomination from uh, Rainey's Black Bottom. Well-deserved. Oh, Anthony Hopkins has uh, nomination number Upteenth in uh, in the father, fantastic performance. Mm-hmm. Gary Oldman and Mank as uh, as Mank of Fitz, obviously, and Stephen Ewan in Minari, who is that the first a surprise Asian, to me. Yeah, the first Asian American to ever be nominated, and uh, with that, uh, Riz Ahmed is another uh, person of Asian descent. Plus, uh, the first Muslim actor to be nominated for best in actor. Lead. Yeah, yeah, in leading because uh, Mahershala oh, wow. Ali. A lot of people pointed out has won, but he's only ever been supporting. So what do you guys think of these actors? I think it was pretty much what I expected it to be, uh, with the exception of Steven Yeun being a bit of a surprise, but a well-deserved one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not like a complete shock, but like the dark horse that where it's like, maybe he yeah. could, maybe he wouldn't, you know, 
Bozeman's pretty much the one to beat. Um, yeah. I did think Gary Oldman did a great job. Uh, I thought he was better in this than the one he actually won for. Well, I think everyone thinks that. Darkest Hour is, is obvious. It's so meh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's... Uh, for listeners at home, who I've never told the story to. I watched Darkest Hour. I thought it was mediocre. I try to watch as many things as I can before the nominations come out so I can predict what's going to be nominated. And I expected Best Actor and Costume. I didn't expect it. It would get like however many it got. It was like six or eight Picture. nominations, including Best Picture. So I said, let me try rewatching this. And I actually liked it less <laughs> the second time I watched it. I, I honestly don't get why <laughs> that happened outside of politics and you know, campaigning. It's such a mm-hmm. mediocre, lukewarm, microwaved film. But um, we. How do you think they're going to handle the Chadwick Boseman nomination considering his um, death? His because wife will probably come pick it up. Awards get. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. Well, no, I just, I just mean, it's like, is that going to influence their decision making? Because things get a little weird when people die and then they get nominated for things. And it's, you know, if they win, is it like, Hmm, is it just like one thing they gave them because they're gone or is it legitimately? Ledger. Yeah, exactly. Ledger gave a really good performance, but this kind of added to it. Like being in the radar. I think the slight variation, which is going to affect the public eye only a little bit. Heath Ledger was nominated for and won for a comic book film. Uh, Chadwick Boseman wasn't, but he is familiar in the public eye because of Black Panther, a comic book film. So I honestly believe it's going to be a very similar response where you're going to have some people who just maybe didn't even watch the film or care to who said, you know, you just gave it to the guy because he's dead. But having seen all of these nominees, he's a fantastic performance in, mm-hmm. in my Rainey's Black Bottom. So like just looking at these, the only person I think who can actually compare <coughs> Sorry. The only person who I think who can actually compare maybe Anthony Hopkins, maybe Riz Ahmed, but I actually think he might be the strongest of this batch. I think sincerely. So even if he was alive to see this award, I think he would deserve it. And his movie's um, easily accessible. It's on Netflix. So a lot of people who are looking for a movie for the evening might have put it on. Yeah. And clearly at this point, my Rainey's Black Bottom, um, you know, whoever's behind the campaign, they didn't score the best picture like they would have liked. They got pretty much everything else it was going to get. So they're obviously going to focus. They're going to place their focus on stuff like this. But they also have this other category where, you know, we're saying Chadwick Boseman, Chadwick Boseman. This other category is a lot more unpredictable. Actress. Exactly. Actress in a leading role. We have his partner in the film, Viola Davis, as the titular Marini in Marini's Black Bottom. Andre Day as the titular Billy Holiday in the United States versus Billy Holiday, Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand, Nomadland, Terry Mulligan, Promising Young Woman. I would safely say maybe Vanessa Kirby and Frances McDormand aren't shoo-ins, but aside from that, I could not tell you who's going to win if no. this was tomorrow. I think it could be McDormand or Mulligan. I think it's unfair when Frances McDormand is nominated because it's almost unfair for everyone else it's like when she won for three billboards there was no way no one else is going to win it even meryl streep was nominated that year and i was like no it it's i she's objectively one of the best oh, actresses yeah. to ever hit this oh yeah kirby think, was phenomenal yes kirby was fantastic the movie was kind of but yeah the, the film was mediocre and the, the writing was very scattershot but i think kirby herself especially in that half an hour long single take near the beginning is mm-hmm. just catas- she's just like 
you know, gargantuan her performance and like, you know, the, the results of, of that scene are just catastrophic and you feel it. Um, McDormand, if you haven't seen Nomadland, James is, um, is a lot more of a reserved nuanced performance, like a poetic one. So I don't know if it's enough to win myself, but Rachel seems to think otherwise. What makes you think that, uh, McDormand has a shot? I think that her movie is riding high and that she is very well regarded. And I know that it's rare for a three person or a three win career, but McDormand could break it. Um, I go back and forth between McDormand and Mulligan, basically. I think Davis yeah. won too recently and Day and Kirby are both kind of too new to the Oscars scene. And Kirby's movie was... Meh. Well, also, uh, it's the only acting nominee that I haven't seen yet, but I'm going to fix that this week, actually, the United States versus Billy Holiday, that's gotten even worse reviews than Pieces of Omen. So, oh, what makes, yeah, what makes this very strange though is Jodie Foster won a Golden Globe for the for the Mauritanian. Nothing happened. Andre Day won one as well. Was considered as you know, you know, as much of a shock. And here she is for a film that only just came out as well. So. I wonder, is it actually that good? I would have to see, is her performance actually that good that she could be in this conversation? I don't know. But I will say this. We do know that most Best Picture winners need to win more than just one award. Spotlight is a bit of an anomaly. That's the first time a Best Picture has only won one other award. It's Mm -hmm. also a major one for Best Writing since 1952. 53, technically, is when the award was. But you know what I mean. So if it's going to win for Best Director, potentially, is going to win for Best Picture. What's going to be the other thing that it's going to win for? Maybe McDormand could pull through. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't say she's out of the conversation, but again, that category is still pretty open, like you've said. Exactly. It depends on like what campaigning happens in the next month and a week. Mm-hmm. But this next category is a bit more locked in, despite the immense amount of talent. So... Uh, this is going to sound very strange if you don't know who the nominees are, even though it's the day afterwards. But um, in a supporting role, we have Sasha Barry Cohen in The Trial of Chicago with Seven, Daniel Kaluuya and Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr., One Night in Miami, dot, 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 Paul Racy, uh, Sound of Metal, which is fantastic. Um, I'm so glad that he got nominated. We also have Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, the same movie as Daniel Kaluuya. Who's the lead in that movie? <laughs> That's what everyone's been I asking. I thought they were both the leads in that movie. <laughs> I'm really confused by that because like, I haven't seen it, but I thought like they're all over the advertising. I thought they were the but, stars but, of the but movie. Listen to this, James. It's called Judas and the Black Messiah. The film is about Fred Hampton, you know, the the Chicago representative of the Black Panther, you know, the Chicago chapter. Yeah. So he is the Black Messiah in the title. The film is about two people, Judas and the Black Messiah, the figurative people. Like he Stanfield's character is the Judas. Therefore, is Jesse Plemons the lead actor? I'm so <laughs> confused as to how this happened, but it doesn't matter because I'm pulling for Dana Kalia to win, but I was dying for Lakeith Stanfield to be nominated. And I don't care if this is how it happens. I am so fine with that. It makes zero sense. And if it was a film that I didn't like, I'd be so angry right now, but that doesn't matter. This is, this is just so cool. I didn't think that the Academy was capable of this kind of nonsense in 2021. But whatever, Lakeith Stanfield is an Oscar nominee, and that is music to my ears. And God, what a good year for Sasha Baron Cohen, hey? Yeah, he also got nominated in another category we're going to bring up very soon. Uh, Borat's subsequent movie film, uh, adapted screenplay, we'll get to that in a second. But um, 
Yeah. I would argue that if it wasn't Daniel Kaluuya's year, given how Leslie Oldham Jr. sadly lost steam in this category, which makes my, it makes me very sad, mm-hmm. it could have been Sasha Baron Cohen winning this, actually. Yeah. But I personally For a while think it was Daniel, between SBC and Odom. Exactly. But I honestly think Daniel Kaluuya is so good as Fred Hampton, so strong in this race right now. Like this, this award season race. I don't think anyone has a snowball's chance in hell of beating him. Oscar winner Daniel Kaluuya. Please, I would love that. But again, we hop to the female category of the same nature. Maria! And this one, this one, I don't even know. So, actress in a supporting role, we have Maria Bakalova in Borat, subsequent movie film. Glenn Close and Hillbilly Elegy, which makes me happy because I only watched that godforsaken atrocious movie for its nominations, and I was right, it got nominated. Thank God. Yeah, Olivia but then she might win for this. <laughs> no, she doesn't have a chance. Uh, Olivia Coleman in The Father, <laughs> which, thank you. I'm so. How did she not get a BAFTA nom? I don't know. Guys, what if Olivia beats Glenn again? That would be. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, we'll get into all of that in a second. We have Amanda Seyfried and Mank, who disappeared from the awards race after the Golden Globes. No SAG, no BAFTA, but now she's back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Yoon Jin Yoon in Minari, who a lot of people have loved this performance. Um, you know, the grandmother character in Minari. So we have a few very hilarious scenarios here, all at the expense of Glenn Close, who I love dearly, and this makes me sad, but... I also don't want Hillbilly Elegy to win anything because it's just so bad. But I predict lose. Yes, I predict it's going to be Bakalova. I, I just think she's riding high and it's kind of her moment. And I th- I do think Close could spoil if they just get that sentimental and maybe she'll throw her Oscar across the. No, she would never do that. But my um, my point is, I think Bakalova is the the front runner. I just have that hunch, which is very interesting. Uh, so. Either Glenn Close, who has the longest stream of losses for somebody who has never won an Academy Award, so she's been nominated the most without a single win, could lose again to Olivia Coleman in the year she was actually supposed to win for, I believe it's called The Wife, right? Yes. Nobody uh, saw it. I only watched it for this. It wasn't a very good film, but Olivia Coleman won for The Favorite, which to this day makes me happy. And greatest Oscar speech in the last 20 years, as far as I'm concerned. And she could either lose to her again, or she could lose to Borat Sagdiev's daughter. <laughs> Which, if you haven't seen that film, is very screwed up. She just rocked that movie, though. Like, she made it oh, yeah. into something so much better than it was. Oh, yeah. If anybody or anything was nominated from that film, I'm glad it's her. Mm-hmm. She she did a fantastic job, especially given the work she had to deal with. But um, I loved hearing uh, Priyanka Chopra read the full name of the movie this morning. Uh, well, especially for the next category where she yeah. had to read like ten the full writers name and all of the writers for <laughs> I don't have the full name here, but for writing for, for writing adapted screenplay. Yeah, but Borat, subsequent movie film, etc. Screenplay by Sasha Baron Cohen and Anthony Hines, a dance swimmer, and, and Peter Baham, and Eric de Rivinoja, and, and Dan Mazur, and Jenna Friedman, and Lee Kern. Story by Sasha Baron Cohen and Anthony Hines, a dance swimmer, and, and Nina Pedred. I'm clearly not Priyanka Chopra. She, she handled this much better than I did. 
I think it took a full minute just to read that one name. (laughs) And the worst part is I got so mad when this got nominated and it took me, and like, because it took like a minute, as you said, it was a minute of me being mad and be like, what's next, Priyanka? What's next? I don't care about Borat. Um, Yeah. And then it was like two people who wrote the father. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The father, uh, Nomadland, uh, Chloe Zhao, who's been uh, nominated a few times, including for editing. I didn't know she edited Nomadland. Like, what can't she do, Chloe Zhao? Um, One Night in Miami, Kept Powers, fantastic. And The White Tiger, which Priyanka Chopra. That. No, that's one that I still need to see as well. Have you seen any of these, James? No, you haven't seen a single nomination, you said, right? No, do any yet. of these seem interesting? At so least. I, got, I got a lot of movies to watch. Do any of these seem interesting? Like, um, Actually, I'll go over the, the, the other writing category quickly before we go into the other feature films. And I think we'll call it a day with the other feature films. Uh, uh, for original screenplay, we have Judas of the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Everald Fennell, again for her directorial debut. You know, she's basically like a triple threat with this film. Sound of Metal, uh, and The Trial of Chicago 7. So Sorkin's taking it. Yeah, obviously. for that, <laughs> It's almost unfair. It's one of those things where it's like, you see Sorkin, it's like, oh, so we're just, we're naming the other people as just to kind of give them credit for what they did. But we all know who the winner's probably going to be. They can put on be. a tux and have a nice evening. Yeah. Or, or a dress. But before we go into like the other final big categories, uh, are any of these films that like you're interested in seeing, James, like at all? I want to see every single one of them because I kind of missed out last year with pandemic craziness and other things going on so i was so mad when theater shut down i was like man and you have to pay 28.99 to rent them on youtube still bitter oh uh, oh that that's wild. way too much that is I'm, that, yeah. that's highway robbery for a digital copy sure like that's i don't so want to risk going out to a cinema right now like even though they're technically I open i know it's stupid yeah but um what's not stupid I don't think, because I've only actually seen one of these. I'm, I'm going to do my homework, but I, I this is my favorite category. I don't know about you guys, but international feature film, for me, is oh, usually yeah. like the actual best picture category, because they're usually stacked. So mm-hmm. I've seen another round. I can testify. It's fantastic. Uh, we have Better Days. Collective, which uh, last year we had Honeyland, which was also a documentary and an international film nominee. So that's what this is as well. It's both a documentary and an international film nominee. Cool. The man who sold his skin and Kyle Verdis Aida, which I don't know That'll if I butchered cool. that. Yeah. Verdis Aida. There we go. I should, I, every time there's like something that's not English, I'm just going to hand it over to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, for animated feature film, we have the crew. Actually, we don't thank God. Uh, we actually it's have trolls. Actually, we don't have trolls. <laughs> we have onward, which is actually the worst movie here, which that makes me feel good to say. Uh, Over the Moon, a Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, that's what you were alluding to, which I've I've seen the first Shaun the Sheep film, so this makes me excited. I think it's just such a, an adorable series. Um, Soul, which is obviously going to take this, and Wolfwalkers, which I saw have yet to see, but you've seen it, Rachel. You thought it was really good, right? No, I haven't seen it yet, but I've been looking oh. into the Irish film uh, animation industry recently, and uh, it's been it's really, really grown in the last decade, and Wolfwalkers was their big release this year. And I'll actually be reviewing an animated short on Films Fatale this week from from Ireland. So Wolfwalkers was kind of part of that research. Cool. Okay, so mm-hmm. it's it's on your radar though, and yeah. it's also on mine. Just from like the little I've seen, and from what I know, the animation just looks stunning. And that's the thing I love about this category, where it's like 
even the stuff that doesn't mm-hmm. win, it introduces so much of like what animation around the world looks like. And some of it's just exquisite. So like last year. So I just remembered that I actually did see soul. So I have seen one film. You're probably the winner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably. That was such a good movie. I don't know if it's because I'm a musician, but literally like after watching it, cause there's a bunch of artists that I follow that were basically saying, this is one of the most important movies I've ever seen in my life. Oh, for like, from a musical mm-hmm. standpoint. Or it's just like from a music standpoint, from, you know, the trials and tribulations of trying to pursue your dreams with, you know, people constantly batting against you and just, uh, yeah, it was just a lot of us resonated with the film on a, such a personal level that it's like, I don't care what anybody else thinks of this movie. This Did you amazing. resonate with it? Oh, <laughs> yeah. When I found out they did the score, I was like. Oh, so they're just doing everything now. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. between disguising their usual style with like, uh, you know, a classic orchestral Hollywood style and Mank or making their uh, synth heavy, dark music suitable for a Disney film in Seoul. They've really, Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor, they've really like spiced it up this year. So I think both nominations are, are, are well called for. And Well, the real treasure is the... Uh, the collaboration with John Batiste because he did all the actual like jazz right. scoring for they it. They did all of the stuff that, where it's like that in, was in like amazing. that other world, like when you die or whatever. But he did all the stuff on Earth. Yeah. Batiste, so that's really cool. And going back to animation, for those of you who watched our animation episode, we talked about a short called If Anything Happens, I Love You. Oh, yeah. It got nominated. This is like Christmas morning for me. Yeah, because you, you love oh, that one. Nice. And, yeah. Uh, I was really hoping that it would get in and it did. Yeah, so, I mean, that's right. And with the shorts categories, it's usually not that set in stone. Like, you mm-hmm. can't just say Disney's going to win it, so Burrowed or whatever it's called is going to win it. The shorts categories are so up in the air, you never know who's going to win. So, it could. It could actually win. Um, last major category we're going to do is documentary. We have Collective, which, again, was also an international film. Crip Camp, which was a huge film last year, early in the year. I remember all of the buzz that got. I'm surprised that it retained it for this long um the mole agents uh which is apparently like a bit of like a satirical comedic type of documentary my octopus teacher i know nothing about but i've heard so excited uh i'll ask about that in a second time time is the one that i've seen and it was one of my favorite films last year it brought me to to massive tears now not to discredit that film because it's fantastic. I'm curious, what on earth is the oct- my octopus teacher, Rachel? I don't know very much about it, but I think it's exploring the intelligence of octopi and like they're the most fascinating animals on earth. I oh, could so literally like, watch them for hours. That's it's like, like a that one about ten years ago who predicted the World Cup matches. Oh yeah, yeah. Like they're, oh, okay, they're cool. and you can give them puzzles and things like that. So I think it's going to be along those lines. Okay, well, mm-hmm. that's that's really exciting. That's on Netflix, I think. I think so. Either way, I am so stoked. But those are all of, like, yeah, the, the major categories, in, in my opinion, like the major ones. Because I also think that, like, you know, documentary, animated feature, and, you know, international feature, those are basically all best picture in their own rights. So mm-hmm. um, without going into every single thing, how do these look, guys? Are we happy? We're happy. Any other major snubs that we're missing? I don't think so. Like, this, there were a few surprises and things like that, but this list looks pretty good to me. Like, any substitutions I would have made were just as good as the ones who got nominated, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like for me, um, 
any of the quote-unquote snubs that weren't like the five bloods or something like that were ones that were things that I expected, but they just didn't happen, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just a wrong thing. So, mm-hmm. like, um, I'm angry that I wasted my time watching the little things because there's no Jared Leto here. So, mm-hmm. damn. I didn't want to waste my time watching that, but here we are. Uh, but at least I guess I saw um, Hillbilly Elegy because that's there. Uh, uh, Pieces of a Woman because, uh, you know, Vanessa Kirby's there. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's, it's not really like anything major off the top of my head, I would say. So what's your favorite and least favorite thing about this whole lineup? Uh, yeah, I guess we'll go around the table and we can, um, we can all, we can all list that. Uh, I guess for me, my favorite, even though it makes zero sense as like Keith Stanfield somehow squeaking his way in there. Also, it's also nice because he nothing about the best actor category got phased. And like, who did he replace? He replaced um, again Jared Leto for the little things. Even though it makes less sense logistically, I'd rather have like Keith Stanfield there. So that makes me very happy. And if I haven't expressed it already, Borat for best adapted screenplay is just. I think that's that's easily the stupidest nomination here. Oh, and, see, I uh, don't mind it at all. <laughs> Like, I think the film is decent, but, like, you know, I think there are worse films. Like, I think Pieces of a Woman is worse. I think uh, Hillbilly Elegy is certainly worse. But for adapted screenplay, I thought a lot of the jokes really fell flat, like, no pun intended. Uh, uh, like, everything in, in the whole flat world. Like, so many of the jokes just felt really forced to me, or, like, COVID-related jokes. Like, I didn't. I didn't find it nearly as fluid as as the first Borat, but that that's just me. Uh, what about you, Rachel? My least favorite is One Night in Miami missing out on Best Picture. I, I just think that's too bad. And part yeah. of it is that it could have been nominated as number nine, so it just didn't get enough votes. Yeah, and that that bothers me because it really was. It was a very well filmed stage adaptation that is hard to do, and the acting was phenomenal across the board. Yeah. My only, favorite, um, you know what my favorite is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your yeah. favorite is Eurovision. Uh, getting Eurovision Song, song Contest song, Husevik, about a small town in Iceland with a gorgeous soprano performance by Molly Sandin, got the nomination. And it was such a long shot that all of the comments on the comment threads were like, I hope Husevik gets nominated. I hope Husevik gets nominated. A score was getting announced. And it did! Well, what's interesting is, because I haven't seen it yet, and you've been telling me to watch this for almost a year at this point, and I guess now I yeah. will, because I try to get every nominee. Um, a lot of publications when the shortlist was announced was like, this might be the best of the bunch. Like, we really like this Eurovision song. So it's not even just you. Like, it's just beloved. Mm-hmm. That whole movie so. has great music, but that's definitely the standout song. And just, and the way it's sung is so gorgeous and I would recommend Eurovision to anybody watching. It's not the most brilliant movie of the year, but it's definitely one that gets into your heart. Especially, I guess, if you are a fan of the, the actual Eurovision and weren't able to obviously watch it uh, yep. last as year. as Will Ferrell is. Will Ferrell came from a genuine place of respect there when he wrote the film. And uh, Rachel McAdams as well, I believe, right? Well, she wasn't then, she is now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I didn't know that snubs could be a part of it, so obviously the lack of the five bloods is is my other worst answer. But uh, James, what about you? Uh, Favorite thing? Least favorite thing? 
Oh, my favorite thing. I mean, I've only seen one film, so I don't really have too much detail as far as my favorite sure. these things you've are. You've seen other films that last year that just weren't represented at all, you know? Well, I think my favorite thing in general, just knowing what I know about these movies and the things I've heard is, and it kind of alludes to something I've been thinking of. And and this kind of started in 2013. The creative scene is kind of going back to the sensibility of the seventies where literally less and less people are playing it safe. And there's not any excuses for, you know, copping out in any, any of these nominations Mm -hmm. anymore. Like it's almost like the Academy is actually a force to pick actually the best works, which we saw with parasite. So more and more. And it's, you know, it seems like artists are more free to do what they want now and just seeing and how diverse the lineup is. Yeah. I I just think it's, you know, one of the best times creatively in probably the past couple of decades, I'd say my least favorite thing is all the movies that were promised out in 2020 that didn't, that probably would have gotten nominated. Yeah. Yeah, That's a bit of like an outlier perspective. Yeah. That's more like a, what if like, if this was already strong, how much stronger could it have been? You know? Like if Dune came out, oh, all the production awards, it would have swept the entire award show. I don't know about best picture and stuff, not because it's not good, but like knowing what I know about Christopher Nolan and that side of things, they just don't get a fair break, but you never know. Right. And you know, it's interesting what you bring up about, well, it's not no, Christopher Nolan. Like, that's Sidney Phaneuf, but I'm, I'm saying like, you know, that those types of like, wait a second, Tenet didn't get a or got yeah, one not tech ones. Uh, nothing for nothing for the score. Oh, though, did? I didn't read all the way through yet. Um, but yeah, nothing major. But like in general, even like at his best, like um, he's only ever been nominated once for Dunkirk. Yeah. That's my point about Christopher Nolan, where it's like these big budget Hollywood things. I'm not. I, I know that Dune's not Christopher Nolan. It's uh, Denis Villeneuve. But like those types of films, Blade Runner 2049, same thing. It didn't really get much outside of tech awards. So um, I just don't know how successful Dune would have been. Is my point. But. Um, mm-hmm. Again, you, you raised a really good point about like the 70s and stuff, and this is why I guess maybe to end on this note, when people bring up the Grammys, which were actually last night, uh, you know, we're recording this uh, right after the, the Academy Award nominations. Um, when people ask me why I really hate the Grammys, and I, I can excuse a lot of the problems that the Oscars have, it's because something like Minari can be nominated for so many things across the board. It's because Vinterberg can be nominated for Best Director. And so can Cold War for Cinematography and Best Director and, and leap outside of his international section. Because, Schnabel. yeah, Julian Schnabel. That was for At Eternity's Gate, right? No, that was B- Diving Bell. Oh, Diving Bell, right. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. At Eternity's Gate was um, Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. But same thing. That's, a, that's an art house film by an actual artist. Uh, artist first, filmmaker second getting an acting nom. So like a different side of it. So there's a lot of problems with the Academy, you know, with the, you know, politics and campaigning and in authenticity. Yeah. Well, I think diversity this year has gotten a lot better, yeah. but you know, in the past for Did sure. Did you know, but, um, 29% of all women who have ever been nominated for best director were nominated this morning. Oh, yeah, Whoa, or 20.5 to be precise. Oh, that, that makes me Whoa, sad. That's why. And that's only two. That's uh, Emerald Fennell and, uh, and Chloe Zhao. Yeah. And if uh, Regina King would have been there, 30%. Exactly. So uh, I thought you were going to bring out a stat about like the amount that have only been nominated this this century, which is most of them, sadly. 
You know, Catherine Bigelow, Greta Gerwig. All but one, I think. No, all but two. Campion and Bert Miller were before 2000. Yeah, I think, I think that's it. That, mm-hmm. that makes me really sad, considering, you know, we have we have Anya Svarta. We have um, more than one fantastic Jane Campion film. Uh, God. You know, we have so many fantastic female filmmakers from, you know, so many years. But, um, you know, if all, all is right and all stays its course that it's currently on, we could have, as sad as it sounds, but it's also great at the same time, the second uh, female filmmaker to ever win. And the first since uh, 2009, well, uh, 2010 ceremony. So, jeez, uh, progress, but a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of work to do. Well, thinking of the Grammys, we actually had one of the most historic moments ever. Um, electronic artist Kate Trinata won uh, Best Electronic yeah, Album, and he's the first black artist to win it. And everyone is just losing their minds because, you know, the history of dance music is very rooted in black mm-hmm. culture. I mean, techno and house were, you know, made, were pioneered in Detroit and Chicago by colored people. So to have a black artist finally win this award, everyone's losing their minds. Also, I think Thundercat won yes, an award. Did. Yeah, he won. And I think Flylo was attached to that too. Flylo was so, also I mean, nominated I, I think the Grammys are garbage, but this was awesome. I don't know what awesome. he was nominated for Flylo. It was like a production type thing, but he might've been attached to, um, yeah. It was attached to Thundercat's album, I think, because I think, at least I think it was it his album that won, or did he have a know. song that won? Either way, all I know because Flylo produces Lady's album. All I know album. is uh, Kendrick Lamar did not win for "To Pimp a Butterfly" because Taylor Swift won. Okay, Taylor Swift winning last night is a little bit of a different story. Folklore is actually one of her better releases, but winning for 1989, like get the hell out of here! Like seriously, there's a there's a real racism problem with the Grammy. So something like. You know, Tetranata making history, you know, is really good news because the, the Grammys are very problematic and there's so many issues with uh, not. I mean, that w- that snub is better than uh, what was it? Uh, um, I'm trying to think uh, when Macklemore beat Kendrick. Oh, don't 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 do that. <laughs> I think that's a good place to end, to end this pod uh, before this becomes uh, the, the 10,000 reasons why I hate the Grammys. Uh, Snoop Lion being one of them for best reggae artist. Kanye West winning for gospel music. Oh. Other people exist. You don't just award the big names, Grammys. You don't just award... Uh, the, the, the Oscars are looking pretty good. So, mm-hmm. we're going to wrap up this episode. Uh, I've done this before on a podcast I've done previously for our Live in Limbo. They're called uh, Contra Zoom. That was the film podcast and, uh, and Capsule, where I've created this thing called the Oscars Roundtable. So, basically... What we're going to do for the next month and a half. So basically, the, the, the episode right before the Oscars, we're going to be doing a roundtable. We're going to be going through all of those big categories we just discussed. Maybe not the documentary, international, and animated films, but screenplays, all the acting ones, director, best picture, and we're going to rank them all. We're basically going to say who got snubbed, who's going to win, who we want to win, because guess what? We haven't all seen everything, but we will. So the homework for for Rachel and James: see every single, so watch everything, well, everything per se. But <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna watch everything for sure. But like, so to at least watch every single Best Picture nominee. That's the point I was getting at because I have seen them already. But to see every single Best Picture nominee, and um, 
for all the other categories, the rule is if you have seen three or more, you can you can contribute. So if you haven't seen all of the best supporting actresses or whatever, you know, there's, uh, you know, sort of rules around it. So otherwise, you know, we're going to be giving our thoughts and it's going to be exciting times. So, Sounds great. Yeah. That's going to be the Tuesday before the Academy Awards. So sometime late April. But for now, that was the J cut. This was supposed to be a brief episode, and you know, that was you the guys should have all saw Yeah. First off, that that was the K cut. <laughs> that the intro is is the J cut. Uh, this was supposed to be a brief twenty minute episode, and again, you guys didn't follow us talking. Uh, they don't know how to stop or how to actually know the name of their own show. Apparently, so that was the K cut. <laughs> now we're going into the L cut, and enjoy award season, everyone. Don't make mistakes like I do. So. <laughs> <laughs>